Well, good morning. My name's Stephen. I'm one of the pastors here. So imagine with me something for a second. Just picture this. You're sitting in a coffee shop maybe or, or a, uh, an open lobby or, or an open office space. You have noise-canceling headphones. You're sitting, you're kind of facing away from any people and you're just working away. And you start working, you keep working, you keep going at it. And after a while, you receive a text from a friend that says, hey, are you feeling kind of lonely right now? And you pause and you think about it and you're like, actually, yes, yeah, I am. You know, there's no one around me. It's just me and I do feel a little lonely. You keep going though. You go back to work. You, you keep doing your thing. A little while later, you received another text that says, hey, take off your headphones. You take off your headphones and all of a sudden you realize that the space around you has filled with people who you know, people who you like, people who you enjoy, friends, family, co-workers, whoever it is, has filled the space around you. And you go from feeling completely alone in your own little world to all of a sudden immersed, surrounded by others. What you didn't realize while you were sitting there doing your own thing was that the space around you had filled with the voices of people, the presence of people who you really care about and you enjoy. Your loneliness is gone in that moment. And I think for many of us, this is kind of what we've done with God. We've put on noise-canceling headphones. We've sat down. We've, we've, we've gotten to work. We've just focused on doing what it is that we're doing. Uh, when it comes to hearing the Holy Spirit, hearing the voice of Jesus, hearing the, the call of our Father, we can't hear anything. There, there's no space. There's no chance for us to be able to hear Him. And so then people come and ask us. They say, hey, do you, do you feel God right now? Do you, do you ever hear the Holy Spirit speak to you? And you go, no, honestly, I don't. I just feel kind of lonely. I feel alone. I, I don't feel his presence around us. But the truth is that he's right there. He's speaking. He's calling out to us. We just have left on our noise-canceling headphones. And I'm excited for today because we're starting a series called uh, Psalms uh, for the Soul over this summer. We're going to be really digging into the Psalms. And I think that it's going to be a really good time for us because I think the Psalms help us to take our headphones off. And friends, I think that that's something that we need desperately right now. You know, one of our deepest desires is that you would hear the Holy Spirit, the voice of Jesus speaking to you. And to get us started, I want us to watch a conversation between Eugene Peterson, and uh, who is a Bible translator, author, and pastor, and Bono, who's the front man for the band U2, as they talk about their earliest experiences of hearing the Holy Spirit speak through the Psalms and what stuck out to them. Listen to this conversation. I was 12 years old when I discovered the Psalms. I picked up the Bible and I started reading. And somebody told me that the Psalms were important, so I started with the Psalms. And I was totally confused. Because um, I grew up in a culture where every word in the Bible was the Word of God, literally. Don't mess around with it. It's just, that's the way it is. And I was starting to read uh, that he keeps my tears in this bottle, uh, shields, <laughs> uh, javelins, uh, rock. God is a rock. Come on. 
And um, after about two or three weeks of this, I just was just confused, and I thought, I'm missing something. And uh, I'd never heard the word metaphor before, but I learned what a metaphor was, not by knowing the name, but by just observing what's going on in the Psalms. So I think the Psalms are important because they, for some people, like me, at 12 years old, they showed me that imagination was um, was a way to get inside the truth. I remember the Psalms from the little Church of Ireland church. Um, um, so I'm, as a child going, I remember thinking, great words, shame about the tunes. Uh, <laughs> except for The Lord is My Shepherd, which was a great tune. And I really like that. This is good. Words and melodies. Ah! They have this rawness, the brutal honesty of whether it's David or not, it doesn't matter. The psalmist is brutally honest about the explosive joy um, that he's feeling and the deep sorrow or confusion. And it's that that makes, that sets the psalms apart for me. And, and I often think, gosh, well, why isn't church music more like that? The Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. He makes me down to lie in pastures green. He leadeth me the quiet waters by. Is that right? It's beautiful. It was right. Eugene Peterson said that the Psalms were important because they showed me that imagination was the way to get inside the truth. And I love the Psalms. It's the songbook of the Bible. It's filled with prose, with poetry, with songs. It's the largest book of the Bible. It's smack dab in the middle, 150 songs uh, written through, through hundreds of years by many different people in many different times. And when I think of one word for the Psalms, the word that, that hits me is restorative. I think the Psalms are a place of being restored, of being, uh, of, of being filled once again. And I think many of us need to be restored. The, the Psalms speak to our emotional spaces and our states. They give us words to use when we communicate with God. They, they, they make us cringe because we realize how much worse other people have it at times. They, they make us cry because we see how good God is and how faithful He is to live up to the promises that He's made to us. Uh, they give us permission to yell and shout and be angry and all the while to be confident that we are still in the presence of Jesus and that He is okay with us, that we can be honest about where it is that we're at. The first psalm that I ever learned was Psalm 23. It begins this way, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Refreshes my soul. Uh, Another word for refreshing is restores. He restores my soul. Psalm 27 is where we're going to be this morning. And verse 8 says this, My heart has heard you say, and that's speaking to God, Come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. 
Friends, I believe that Jesus has an offer for us. He's standing before us and he's saying, hey, friends, come and talk to me. We haven't connected in so long. I want to be in your presence. I want to talk to you. Uh, I'd love to hear how your heart is. I want to hear what relationships are life-giving and which ones are are draining you. I want to know what's giving you uh, joy in this place in your life and where you're really feeling grief. I want to connect with you and know what is going on inside. Come and speak with me. And we're all tempted to avoid, right? We're tempted to say things like, uh, new phone, who's this? Uh, or I'm a little busy, I got stuff to do. Or, or even, nah, I'm just not interested. I, too vulnerable, too much, I'm good. But friends, I want to encourage us this morning. Let's stop avoiding. Let's engage. Jesus is inviting us to come and have a conversation with him, to engage with him, to be restored in his presence. The invitation from Jesus today is to take off our headphones and to be completely restored in the presence of Jesus, who is right here with us. Let's pray, and then we're going to jump into Psalm 27. Holy Spirit, we just ask for you to come and to speak to our hearts this morning. I pray that you will help us to take off those headphones. Help us to to look around to see where it is that you're at and what it is that you're saying to us. Lord, I thank you that you give us the Psalms, this book that that gives verbiage for for how to feel in almost all situations. Uh, I'm grateful for that gift that we know that we can say so many different things in your presence and that it's good and that it's healthy and and that we're processing well with you. You're not afraid of our realities. You want to come and meet us here in the middle of them. And so I pray for that this morning. Pray for you to be in whatever space that we're in, for you to come and to speak to us, bring your life, your presence, your restoration. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Psalm 27. Read this with me. Uh, Grab a Bible. uh, Open it up on your phone. Google it. Whatever you want to do. Read along with me. Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will be, I will remain confident. You know, there was a comedian who once told a joke about, he said that he was going in to get double, uh, double bypass surgery. And he said, as they wheel you in, the doctor gives you that look. You know the look. The look that says, you have every reason to be as comfortable and confident in my skills. Nothing bad is going to happen to you. You are going to be in, in, in a great place on the other side of it. It makes you feel good. And, and the comedian looked at the doctor and he said, Hey, you know, if I don't make it, I'll never know. <laughs> but seriously, what are you placing your confidence in? What does it look like for you to be confident when you're attacked? What does it mean for your truth to be this truth? That no matter what comes against you, no matter uh, what you are in the middle of, no matter what you are fighting against right now, that you are confident 
that God is going to take care of you, that he's going to protect you, and that he's going to provide for you. Do you know God like that? But seriously, friends, do you know God like that? Is that your experience of who God is, your knowledge of who God is, that he's the protector when you are being attacked, that he is the light when you can't see anything, that he is more powerful than any army of discouragement and of bill collectors and of health issues and of of bullies that are surrounding you at any time, that even when you are attacked, that you still remain confident in who he is, confident even when it looks like you're losing. Do you know God like that? It's not that we're waiting for God to show up, friends. The good news is that he's already there. You know, it's like the little kid standing in a circle of of bullies that are coming at him. And all of a sudden he does, you know, the arm flex or whatever. And all of everybody runs away and he's standing there and he's like, you know, I feel pretty good. Like my little seven-year-old arms, we we just made all those bullies run away. And he turns around to walk away and he, he bumps smack into the teacher who is standing behind him, who showed up and and made everybody else run away. God is there with us. Our confidence isn't that he's going to do something. Our confidence is that he's already there and that he's already moving. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. That's some crazy confidence, and I want to learn how I can get some of that from David. Let's keep reading in the psalm, see what he says. This one thing that I ask of the Lord, the thing that I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfection, meditating in his temple. For he will conceal me there when troubles come. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy and singing and praising the Lord with music. This one thing I want, one thing that I am constantly looking for to be at all times in the presence of Jesus. That's what matters to me the most out of anything. The house of the Lord, the temple, the place of God's presence, the place where we delight in how perfect and good God is, where we can meditate on his goodness. Just give me a few pillows. Let me chill. I'm good. I found my spot. I'm in a good place. Live here means actually to dwell, to sit down and to make it home. You're not going anywhere. You found your home. You're going to now make it comfortable because this is where you always want to be, where you want to remain at all times. You found where you're going to stay for the long haul. There's a story in the Gospel of Luke of of Mary and her sister Martha, and Jesus comes to their house with his friends, his followers, And he sits down and they're getting ready for dinner. And so he's hanging out there and he does what Jesus does in the gospels. And he starts telling stories and he starts teaching and everybody's just sitting around listening to what he has to say. And Mary, we're told, goes and sits in front of him. And it says that she sat before the master hanging on every word. Have you ever had a conversation that felt like it was, it meant everything to you? Like you were just sitting there and you never wanted it to end. You loved being in the presence of this storyteller, of this person who you were talking to. You wanted it to continue forever. It was so life-giving for you. You know, I think about that and I, I remember as a kid sitting and having conversations with my grandpa 
and he would sit and talk about playing professional baseball uh, in the 40s when he was in his 20s. And he would tell these stories, and I would just sit there and eat it up, my mouth's dropping open, you know, little, little 10-year-old Stephen, like, can't get enough of it. I was just loving it. I never wanted it to end. I was hanging on every word. That's what Mary is doing right here with Jesus. She's eating it up. She never wants it to end. She's in a good spot. And later, Martha, her sister, gets angry at her for sitting there the whole time and not helping with dinner. And she complains to Jesus about it. And Jesus' reply tells us a lot. He says, Martha, only one thing is essential, and Mary has chosen it, and it will not be taken from her. One thing is essential. N.T. Wright once said, it's only when we slow down our lives so we can catch up to God. One thing is essential. What is essential to Jesus? It's not how much you do. It's not how much you give. It's not having 100% accurate theology uh, or, or memorizing the whole Bible. It's that you are in his presence. And he's never going to take that away. He promises to always give that to us when we come. That is his guarantee. What a beautiful promise that he has made to us, friends. His presence will never be removed from you. Some of you may need to know that. You feel like his presence has been removed, but the good news is that it hasn't. It's right there. He's with you, and he is never going to leave. One thing, one thing is essential. One thing that I ask that I would dwell in the house of the Lord, in the presence of Jesus all the days of my life, gazing on his beauty, hanging on his every word, taken in by the kindness of who he is and unable to move on here in the place of safety, here in the place of joy, the place of his presence. Give me some pillows. I'm going to stay. I'm good. I found my spots. Let's keep going. Verse 7. Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. Don't turn your back on me. Don't reject your servant in anger. You have always been my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me, O God of my salvation. Lord, I'm coming vulnerability is shown in this place of willingness to come to Jesus, of willingness to leave everything and run into his presence. Uh, and vulnerability often leads to feeling vulnerable. We admit that we want more of Jesus, and then we start to say, oh, uh, did I just give too much away? Did I just put too much out there? Uh, you better make sure that you don't leave me, Jesus. You better make sure that you don't, that I don't regret this. You know, Brene Brown is kind of the modern expert on vulnerability. Uh, she's written books. She's done lots of, uh, of speaking engagements. There's lots of stuff online that you can find by her, uh, you know, podcasts, etc. on vulnerability. And she says that vulnerability is the feeling that we get at times of uncertainty, of risk or emotional exposure especially when we're not sure what people think and when we care about what people think because we are exposing, what we are exposing is deeply personal and we'll be sad or disappointed if it doesn't work out. Vulnerability is the feeling we get in times of risk and emotional exposure 
when we care about what people think because we are exposing something that is deeply personal. Come and talk to me. I'm coming, Jesus. But uh, I just put myself out there. And you better not make me regret this. Uh, I I just admitted how much this matters to me. What do I do now? You better not leave me empty-handed. You better not leave me by myself. You better not forget. You better not make me look bad in front of others. And often we think that we failed when we reach this place. But that's not vulnerability at all. Vulnerability doesn't fail in that way. We feel like we've lost all faith, but that's not true. Vulnerability isn't fearlessness. Vulnerability is having the courage to be honest in the face of fear. Being vulnerable doesn't happen when you reach a place where you no longer have fear, where you never feel uncomfortable. It's being willing to remain in the place of discomfort, uh, that that's part of your reality and still moving ahead. Vulnerability is filled with honesty and courage. So what is an honest and courageous answer, response to us today, to the call of Jesus to come and talk to me? You know, we we hear uh, me and Sarah and Rob and others in our church talk a lot about hearing God speak. And sometimes we use terms like prophecy or or words of knowledge. Sometimes uh, we pray for healing. Uh, Sometimes we say that it's a part of prayer, that it's a two-way conversation. Or or we'll come up and we'll say, you know, I feel like somebody has a shoulder that God wants to heal. And every time that I do that, honestly, every single time, I'm nervous. Every single time. I feel a little fearful and a little uncomfortable. And what goes through my head is, what if I'm hearing this wrong? What if I get it wrong? What if it's not a shoulder, but it's actually a knee? And then the person who God wants to heal isn't going to get healed. And and, and it's going to mess everything up. And I'm going to look like a fool. What if? What if? What if? But friends, honestly, those feelings, that reality is fine. If I'm still moving ahead. If I'm still dwelling in in his presence, dwelling on his beauty, uh, hanging on every word that he says, listening with bated breath, because the risk is worth the reward. If I keep moving, that is fine. Having a little doubt doesn't hurt anything. Uh, having a little, uh, you know, recognizing that you have a little bit of fear isn't the worst thing if you keep going, if you keep pushing towards Jesus. Because what if we listen in risk? What if we step out and see what it is that he wants to say to us. What comes then? What will Jesus do? You know, a couple months ago, a woman in our church named Sue uh, came up to me after the service and said that she felt like she had a prophetic word for me, that God spoke to her. And so she wrote it, she had written it down and she gave it to me. And I looked at it and I read it. And it said something along the lines of, uh, don't feel like you have to be perfect all the time. Jesus uh, knows and he's covering you. He's taking care of it. Something along those lines. And honestly, that morning at church, I had been struggling with that feeling. Control of, of fear of, of feeling like I needed to be perfect as a pastor. I had been struggling with that that very morning. And so when she handed me that and I looked at it and I read it, It hit me deeply and powerfully and personally because Jesus knew where I was and he was speaking straight to my heart in that moment just about two months ago, not that long ago. 
And I've kept that piece of paper because that matters to me still, because I still need that reminder that Jesus is there. That reminder that Jesus called, you know, that there's a conversation to be had. Jesus, you rang. What do you have for me? What do you, what do you have that fills me with courage in the face of fear? Say it again. I want to make sure that I got it all. I want to make sure that I heard everything that you have. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Vulnerability is worth it to get to the other side, to hear what he has for us. Let's keep going. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the right path, for my enemies are waiting for me. Don't let me fall into their hands, for they accuse me of things I've never done. With every breath they threaten me with violence. Yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. If you're writing anything down, write this down. If you have a Bible, underline these words. Here's some walkaway points for us today. Have confidence that you will see the goodness of Jesus in all spaces and times in your life. It's a guarantee. Wait for him to show up and speak. Be courageous in those times of waiting. Because courage is filled with honesty and with vulnerability. And keep waiting patiently for the goodness of God to show up. Don't walk away from it. Don't give up on it. Keep moving ahead. What does it look like to live a life like this? A life dwelling in the presence of Jesus with a confidence that he'll speak. Even if you have to wait, uh, that you're going to wait there with courage. You know, it makes me think of Brother Lawrence, uh, a 16th, uh, 1600th monk from France, uh, who's one of my personal heroes. Uh, the, the thoughts uh, of Brother Lawrence were written down in a book called The Practice of the Presence of God. And Brother Lawrence was poor. He was very poor growing up. And so he made two decisions based off of that that affected his life. One was that he joined the army to have some money and some food. And then he got injured during that time. And so he had to leave the army. While he was in the army, though, he had a a very simple yet profound experience of the goodness of God that affected him. And so when he left the army, he decided to become a monk. And so he went and joined a monastery and gave his whole life to following Jesus in very simple and practical and plain ways. And Brother Lawrence was was, uh, a powerful leader. Because he focused all moments of his life on staying in the presence of Jesus. When he stopped feeling God's presence, he immediately stopped what he was doing so that he could reorient himself around the presence of Jesus. And in his book, he drops this wisdom bomb on us. He says, when we are faithful to keep ourselves in God's presence and set him always before us, this not only stops us from offending God and doing anything that may displease him, at least willfully, which is a nice way of saying sinning. Uh, But it also brings about in us a holy freedom, a familiarity with God, where we ask successfully for the grace we need. By repeating this act, it becomes habit, and the presence of God is rendered natural to us. 
when we're faithful to keep ourselves in God's presence, to dwell in his house, to set up our house there. Uh, this not only stops us from sinning, but it brings a freedom. And when we keep doing this time and time and time again, when this is how we choose to live, the presence of God is made natural to us. This morning, friends, is your desire for dwelling in the presence of God, for hearing the voice of Jesus, for gazing upon his beauty. Is that your desire for that to become habits for you, for the presence of God to become your natural space? Has your heart heard Jesus say, come and talk to me? And you've responded. You've said, yes, Lord, I am coming. I'm running after you. Come and speak to me. Friends, if you've never heard him say those words, I want to encourage you right now. Take off the headphones. It's time to listen because he's speaking to you. And I want to encourage you right now as we end, we're going to worship. But just say this simple prayer with me. Open up your hands and just say, Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Yes, Jesus, I'm coming. I want to hear you. I want to be in your presence, captivated by your beauty, aware of your power, changed forever by that reality. In Jesus' name, amen.